What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm here with Jeff Fenster. Jeff is the founder of Everbowl with over 25 locations, the founder we build and part of the top 40 under 40. Jeff, how's it going, man? Uh, it's great, man. Thank you so much for having me. Big, big fan of your show, and it's truly an honor. So thank you. Appreciate you coming on, man. So as we were talking about before we started recording, I always ask this first question before we dive into the actual body of the episode. What's the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on? <laughs> it's a great, and it's a great question. I, I, I'll be honest. Of all the podcasts and interviews and questions I've done, that's the one that has me the most stumped, I think, because the <laughs> list is, is so long on stupid purchases that when I have to pick the dumbest, um, but I would say it's probably something I bought for my dog uh, in my house. And it was this thing that was supposed to make it to where my dog would use the bathroom only at this little like toy jam. Uh, the problem was the way it came, it had like pieces of it. And, and I didn't, I, it, maybe it's user error, but I dragged it through the house and my dog peed all over the whole damn house. <laughs> um, and so what was supposed to make it to where this new puppy wasn't going to pee in the house, it ended up peeing everywhere. So I would say that was probably one of my dumbest purchases because I, uh, it created a bigger problem than, than solution. What was that an expensive purchase? It was like 400 bucks. Oh jeez. Yeah. It wasn't cheap. It was like this whole system. I was supposed to train your puppy within like three days to not pee in the house. Big mistake. Yeah, I don't feel like those things work all that well. But anyway, Jeff, you, you founded Everbowl, right? I know Dan Flashman's an investor, but you've grown to over 25 locations. You don't just do that with a shitty brand, to be completely honest with you. So how sure. did you get started in Everbowl? I, I know a lot of it is, you know, healthy foods, healthy, is it, how do you say, acai? Acai. Acai bowls. Have you always been a health nut? How did you get started into this business? Yeah, good question. Uh, you know, I'm a bit of a hypochondriac, um, which means I'm afraid of disease. And, you know, when I'm running all my previous companies and growing up, um, I was always afraid of illness. And, and when I say that, I mean, it's not like I'm like sitting in my room and, and I'm hyperventilating, but I'm one of those people that when I I researched it and Google is a scary thing to someone who has uh, any type of affliction towards illness. And you start to learn that it's easier to prevent illness than cure it. Right. And so um, you realize, and I learned through just my own research and my own interest that 80%, roughly 80% of the most common diseases in America, heart disease, stroke, obesity, cancer, diabetes are lifestyle driven, which means you're not predisposed to them. It's not guaranteed in your genetics. It's not like, a, I'm so sorry you were born you know, you were going to get this. It's actually our choices, our lack of movement and what we eat. And I'm a fitness guy in the sense that I work out a lot and I eat healthy. Um, but I have a lot of friends that now that I'm getting older, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost 38 years old and I have a lot of friends that are starting to deal with these issues and, and peers. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things that I realized that while you can tell someone to work out, there's a saying, you can't outwork a bad diet, right? So I could go exactly. run 20 miles and then eat a Big Mac meal and I've just erased that run. Um, and we eat more often than we exercise and we eat every day, regardless of whether or not we have time to exercise. So, um, if I was going to put my hat in the ring and help the movement at all, I felt like it should be on the eating side. And, um, you know, having been in a position in life, having sold some other companies and had some success as an entrepreneur, I was able to really chase my passion in a different way. And so it wasn't about just making money. It was about understanding why we are eating the way we eat. It's kind of like smoking. Like people know smoking cigarettes are bad for you but people do it anyway. And the answer is because right. they're addicted, right? So it's easier to not get started. Well, why do people eat bad when we know eating bad is bad for you? 
And it's really four excuses. And it's, I've summed it all up through all my discussions and research and talking to people and, and evaluating and investigating the situation. It's four main excuses we make or justifications, if you will, to how we allow ourselves to eat like shit. And the first one is it costs too much to eat healthy or we think it does. Second is it doesn't taste good or we don't believe it does. The third is it doesn't fill you up and leave you satisfied. Or the fourth one is you just can't get it, that you have a very small window to go get lunch on your lunch break or you're on a drive or you're, you're, you only have a few minutes so you get something on the go or fast food, so to speak. So when I built Everbowl, the idea was to solve those four excuses, to provide an option that was affordable, filling, delicious, and accessible to everybody every way, which is exactly what fast food is, uh, but make it healthy. And when I launched Everbowl, Big Mac meal was uh, $7.94. Uh, pizza place was two slices and a drink for eight bucks sandwich chips and a drink eight bucks so basically i justified eight dollars as our starting price point um i knew the average american consumer wanted a lot of food so we made very very big portions we gave unlimited toppings and let you design it your way so i knew you would like it so now the taste thing would go out the window and then accessibility we had to open a lot of stores very quickly and be in all these strip malls and be available to our consumer to solve the accessibility problem so we, we didn't open in the traditional healthy areas. You know, I live in San Diego. So by the beach is where you tend to see healthier options. Right. No, we went inland. We went into the strip malls right where, where the average consumer was not getting these options and, mm -hmm. and started there versus by the beach. So I could be that solution and then build that habit. And then as we grew, we grew quickly. You know, we opened 16 stores in San Diego in our first two and a half years uh, to really try to control and own our market and be that accessible option with brand recognition. And, and all those things start to play into how you build a business. Um, and that's kind of how Everbook got started. You know, I didn't have any restaurant experience. Um, it's one of my entrepreneurial trademarks or secrets uh, that I don't think enough people appreciate is that experience is the most overrated prerequisite to starting a company mm. and coming in with fresh eyes and disruption and no experience is, is the way I like to do it. And that's how I jumped into Everbowl. Yeah, man. I, I, and I will say the only reason I think you should have experience is if you're trying to coach someone, there's a lot of coaches nowadays sure. with no experience, <laughs> you know, so you need experience to do that. But you know, it, it's interesting, man, because what I interviewed Bradley this morning, like I was telling you, and he talked about how people chase their passions in the beginning, right? And they don't chase money. Now, people believe money is bad, but just like you said, you had made money in the past, which allowed you to chase this passion, right? Well, and if I can stop you there, and I don't know your question yet, but it's very important to me, and it's something I talk about a lot these days. Chasing is bad. Chasing money is the biggest mistake because like, I don't care if you're chasing a girl or a boy, whether you're chasing money or whether you're chasing a dog, a cat, a bird, a fish, when you chase something, the natural inclination is for that thing to run away from you. Right. No one wants to be chased. Money doesn't want to be chased either. So chasing your passion is another way of saying you're going to, you're going to go after really hard what you think you want to do. And if money is your motivator and, and maybe I'm contradicting Brad and, you know, I've been on Brad's podcast and he's a great dude. I don't think I am, but if, if I am, then I am. Um, chasing money is a mistake. Build a business, attract customers, have a good mousetrap, do all the things that, that allow you to have sustainability and grow. And if you're passionate about it, you're going to do it with the right value, the right intensity, the right desire and consistency. The money will then be attracted to you. Mm -hmm. And anyway, I wanted to just oh, jump man, in. Chasing money is not my jam. Well, that's better put than I was going to put it. Anyway, he, he talks about how, you know, you build that business, you get the money, right? 
And if you're not loving what you're doing to make this money, the money can create opportunities for you to chase or not chase, hone in on your passion, right? Yes. So with this being your passion, opening 16 stores in the first two and a half years, I mean, that's not cheap. So I would imagine that the influx of customers and the marketing all paid off in order for you to do that, right? Well, yeah. I mean, so as, as mentioned, you know, I sold a few companies prior. I've had some previous success, which allowed me to self-fund the beginning of Everbull. Um, but then it was rethinking the whole process, you know, again, coming in with that fresh eyes and that a different approach was very important in the sense that it didn't make it to where I did the same things everyone else was doing. Right. So to mm -hmm. most people to open a restaurant, I opened the first one and it was a quarter of a million dollars. Um, well, that's not a sustainable way to grow a big enterprise. Granted, a quarter of a million is still cheap for restaurants, but if I want to open 10 of them, I need two and a half million dollars. Right. Well, I didn't want to do that. So immediately I said, okay, I'm an entrepreneur. If you're an entrepreneur, the real answer of what you do for a living is you're a problem solver. If you can't connect those two things, you should not be an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur's job is to solve problems. Well, my problem was it cost too much to open restaurants. Right. That was my problem. So I started my own construction company and I called it WeBuild. We build stuff. And the idea was we we're going to build our own restaurants for cheaper because I knew I was going to build 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 of these. So rather than pay and give every, all the profits away to third party uh, construction companies and have to pay for those learnings and have to pay in all those markets, I'm going to build that internally and vertically integrate that component of my business. I'm going to allow myself to not make a profit doing it. And those savings are going to get passed directly to my stores. And so it went from costing me a quarter of a million dollars all the way down to $70,000 or $80,000 to build a restaurant. So now those same 10 restaurants that would have cost me two and a half million now cost me 700. So for that two and a half million, I can now build 30 right. versus 10. So all I did differently was I refigured, I solved a different problem that allowed me, you know, so often everyone's like, Oh, it costs so much to, to open a restaurant. I need to raise more money. Okay. That is one way of a solution, uh, a solution, but, I, I like to think things differently and I recommend you do also. And it's something we do here at Everbull and all my companies. And it is before we solve the problem, we ask ourselves this question. If solving this problem is the right problem to solve, or if we solve something else, would this problem just disappear? Right? Right. Because if I go and raise more money, I can go open 10 restaurants for two and a half million dollars. Cool. Well, I, I'm just like everybody else. But if I start my own construction company, I can open them for $70,000 and now I can only raise $700,000 to get the same result. And now, no longer do restaurants cost too much money, right? right? Restaurants are no longer an expensive thing. That problem disappeared because I own a construction company now. Now, do, do you suggest other entrepreneurs go that route where they try to solve the problem internally? Because, you know, from my perspective, right, I'm thinking, okay, Jeff is trying to go grow Everbowl. He needs to build these restaurants, but now he starts another company in order to solve that problem. Did that take your focus off of Everbowl? Well, it's great. It's a great question. And I think it, it's, it, it's, it starts with what kind of an entrepreneur you are. If you are a lifer in your industry, if I was a restaurateur and that's what I do and that's who I am and I'm a restaurant entrepreneur, I agree with you. It's a bad idea. I'm a serial entrepreneur, which means I don't, I'm, I'm industry agnostic. I don't care what industry I'm in. I've had a payroll company, a digital marketing agency, websites, a recruiting agency, construction, CPG, restaurants. It doesn't really matter to me, the industry. That, that doesn't dictate whether or not I can enter that market, right? For me, I like startups. I'm a startup serial entrepreneur. So my superpower as an entrepreneur is starting companies. So I'm using my strength to solve my weaknesses. If you're not that, then you're right. It doesn't work for you, but you should still apply the same metrics, right? Mm -hmm. You should still say to yourself, well, I'm a restaurateur. I can't go start a construction company. 
I'm not a serial entrepreneur. That's fine. But you could partner with a construction company. You could figure out one construction company and sign a contract to go open your next 10 and have them amortize your costs. And maybe you pay them a little more up front, but to guarantee that you're going to go build those other eight, but you get those cost savings or you start buying equipment in bulk, right? There's other things you can do to reduce that entry level cost. If you have a plan to go open 10 stores, right? If you're only opening one, there's no solution. It's just one store. You got to deal with it. Yeah, you know, and I think that's a really good idea, right? You know, for people who are laser focused on one industry, there's no point in trying to delve outside of that industry in order to solve a problem. Whereas, like you said, there's still a solution. You don't have to just pay a third party, strategically partner with somebody. Because right. more than likely, construction company is going to want the guarantee of that business down the road or wherever else you do it. But, you know, it's interesting because, like you mentioned before, you've created and sold companies. So is Everbowl going to be part of that lineup of a company that you built and also sold? It's a great question. I don't know. I mean, the short answer is I don't know. It's, I'm having a ton of fun. Um, obviously, I'm a businessman. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Uh, there will come a day where I'm no longer involved in Everbowl. That's inevitable. Um, no pun intended. But, uh, but I don't the – I, the reason I build companies and sell them is because – I also understand my strengths and there comes a point where I'm no longer the best CEO for the company. And at that point, it's time for me to sell it because um, I want to go put my attention onto something else. I'm a serial startup entrepreneur. I'm not the guy to come in and go work for Amazon right now and take them from, you know, however big they are to two times that I'm not an optimizer. I'm not that individual. There's a certain person who runs companies, man or woman, uh, at that stage, that's not me. I know who I am and I know very well where my lane is. If you and me want to come up with an idea and you want to go from zero to something sustainable and, and scalable, I'm the guy. Once we achieve that, and now it's just about optimization, it's just about re-implementing this and fine-tuning and tweaking and, and maybe uh, third, fourth, and fifth level stuff, I'm no longer the guy. And because I'm aware and I'm hyper aware of, of where my weaknesses lie and where my strengths are, um, when I'm no longer the best CEO for the company, I need to pass the reins to someone else. And so my choice is usually to sell because I'm also the largest shareholder of these companies. And so um, I'd rather sell and at least take some of my chips off the table and, and then give the power to someone else and, and give the company to someone else. And whether I own a small piece or any at all, um, that's specific to that company. But that's the main reason I sell a company. So right now with Everbowl, what has been the greatest part about Everbowl because I'm more passionate about it is I've created an ecosystem that allows me to continuously start new startups inside of my vertically integrated wheel. You know, I have the construction arm. Uh, we launched our own CPG line, Super Fuel Coffee. It's available on Amazon, world's first acai infused coffee line. We now also sell our own superfoods to our stores. So we have our own import company under the brand Unevolved Products. We sell later bowls direct to consumer. We've been on QVC. Um, we also offer franchising now where we're franchising Everbowl for the first time. And we're able to offer the cheapest franchise in the marketplace, bar none, and add more people to the family. We just launched a franchising division where I, or excuse me, a financing division where we'll actually finance franchisees. And I get to build all these companies. So I'm having so much fun now building what would have been standalone separate companies inside of this ecosystem to help support my main business Everbowl to where I'm not getting bored and I'm not getting past the point where, where I'm no longer the right guy. Um, that day will eventually come. And on, on that day, whether I sell it or I step down or I move to the chairman role and we hire a new CEO to take us to the next level, you know, that's all possible and probable at some point, but it's not an immediate goal. 
You know, I love how self-aware you are because I don't think enough people are, right? I think a lot of people try to be all things to all people and that's where they ultimately fail. And I don't think they reach their potential because of that. But the fact that you say that there's a limit, right? There's a limit to where every bowl gets too big where you're like, I can't do this anymore. But it's the self-awareness that's key because you're going to make more money and have more impact in doing that than if you were like, you know what? The first company you started, let's just say it was a digital marketing agency. What if you were still working in that? You'd probably be bored, unfulfilled. You'd probably stop making money because you you're bored and you don't care anymore. You know, so I think exactly. people have that self-awareness. Well, it's ego. I mean, and, and I was guilty of it. My first company was a payroll company. Okay. And, and I started out of my mom's kitchen with a buddy and we grew it and it's, it scaled and we raised some private equity capital and we changed the name and we built it from being a small payroll company to a mid-sized HRIS platform, leveraging technology, focusing on the mid-market. We had big clients. We became nationwide. It grew. We had offices in multiple cities. I was wearing a suit, you know, at 24 and 25 years old, talking to CEOs of big, big, big companies. And it got to the point where the company wasn't growing exponentially anymore. And I held on too long and was fighting what is inevitable, which I now am am aware of. And that is I'm not the best person. But the key thing is, and this is the mistake I think people make is I was the largest shareholder. So I was hurting my own self by letting my ego stand in the way. Right. You know, and I think about like a sports team, if I'm not the quarterback and I'm a wide receiver, if we need a quarterback, I'm not the guy to be the quarterback. Let's get a quarterback. Right. But we can still win the game. Right. So I don't have an ego as far as I don't need to be the guy, um, you know, or if I was a girl, I don't need to be the girl. Like it's, it's not a gender thing. It's a, it's just recognizing who you are. And I think a lot of people are also make the mistake of thinking they're a startup entrepreneur when they're not right. Cause the entrepreneurship is sexy. Now it wasn't sexy when I started. Right. Um, and you see a lot of people that probably should be number twos, number threes, number fours, number fives, or CEOs that come into already established startups that are further beyond the early birth stage. Um, they're starting their own company because they think that that's what an entrepreneur has to do. Right. And it's, I, I think it's wrong. I think you need to understand that you could be an entrepreneur even if you don't start a company. I'm a founder. I find companies from the, from the ground up. I begin them. Uh, that's my skill. There's other people that are optimizers. There's someone that I hire to take over the CEO role of Everbowl because, you know, we're an eight-figure company. Well, if we want to go to nine figures, maybe I need somebody else to help me do that. Right. That's okay. There's That person that takes an eight-figure business to a nine-figure business is different than someone who takes a $0 business to an eight-figure business. Right. And when you know that about yourself, you've now empowered yourself to grow exponentially both personally and professionally, because you're going to align yourself with the right pieces to get your company there. And you've just increased your statistical chance of success dramatically. Right. And that's how you ultimately are going to make that money. That's going to give you that freedom to live the life you want to live. I know this is going to be a probably subjective question, but do you think it's harder to go from the ground up to eight figures or wherever that number is, or from eight to nine or eight to 10 figures? I mean, for me, it's, it's easier. I, for me, I find it easy to go from zero to that because that's my skill. I think it's very hard to take an eight figure business to a 10 figure business or a nine figure business. Now you ask a lot of other people and they say, Oh, if you give me an eight figure, eight figures to go to nine is easy, right? The first million is the hardest. So I think it's just a question of everyone who, what you're good at seems easier or you say it's harder because you want to feel better about yourself. But no, I think, I mean, obviously starting a company from scratch is a lot of work but I know the recipe that works for me. I have a, a, a process that I use continuously and it's industry agnostic and it's a success formula and it works. 
So two plus two is four. So for me, that's not hard. I struggle taking an eight figure business to a 10 figure business. I've never done it. Um, I've tried and I've never been able to eclipse the nine, the eight figures in revenue and get to that nine figures in revenue. I've never been able successfully to do it. So to me personally, that's harder. Um, but the person who comes in and does it to them, what I do is harder, right? Cause they've probably tried it and go, shit, that's really hard to go from no, you know, there's no, there's no systems. There's no process. There's nothing. You have to figure it all out. Exactly. So I like solving problems, right? I don't like optimizing as much as I like solving problems. Um, and so it's just, I think, yeah, it is a subjective question, but the non-ego answer for me is my side's easier. What I do is easier. <laughs> you mentioned your success formula. What does that look like, right? Because I imagine, you know, in the beginning, and that might be proprietary knowledge that no one can know, but starting a business, you're right, it's a lot of work. I'm young. I'm 24. I've just started my, my first businesses within the last few months. This podcast has been over a year, but podcasts don't have as many systems and processes and whatnot. But it's a lot of work, stuff that you don't think you, you're like, oh, I have an idea. It's like, no, there's a lot more that goes into it before you can actually take that idea to market or whatever it looks like. So what does that formula look like for you? Well, for, for me, it's always been focusing A on my why and then B on my core values. And at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's the reason I say what I do is easier is because I don't need to be extraordinary to do what I do. Anyone can do what I do. Uh, truthfully, I'm ordinary guy. I just do extra, which makes me extraordinary. And that therefore anyone can do that. Um, you know what to take an eight figure business to a nine or 10 or, or to do what some of these, you know, top CEOs of publicly traded companies do, you know, some of them have superpowers, right? I'm not Elon Musk and I'm not boring a hole underneath, you know, Las Vegas or taking <laughs> rocket ships up to, to space. I don't have that kind of capability. Um, but what I do have is I have a relentless side to me, a work ethic that will be unmatched by anybody. And I'll go toe to toe with any human being on the planet when it comes to work ethic. I do not have a quit button. I do not get discouraged. I'm an eternal optimist. So with those pieces inside of me, understanding that I don't see walls, I see opportunities. I don't see problems. I find solutions. Those things allow me to be successful regardless of industry, right? So my core values of making friends and having fun are the foundation of everything I do. That's the two main rules to work at Everbull. We make friends, we have fun. If you're not having fun and making friends, the rest of it is just boring and you're not going to love what you do. You're not going to attract people around you and you're not going to build great relationships with customers and um, other businesses. Right. Then beyond that, it's Kaizen. It's get 1% better every day. And people get lost when they start companies because they see all the things that are in front of them, right? All the challenges and all the issues and all of the roadblocks. And it's this massive mountain. It's Mount Everest and you're standing at the bottom. I don't see Mount Everest. I focus on 1% better every day. What can I do today? What micro goal can I do today that's going to move me incrementally 1% better today? And tomorrow we're going to deal with tomorrow's problems. Right. And by doing that and, and having the unwavering focus and dedication to that is what is part of that success formula. That allows me to be successful because when everyone else is drowning, I'm not worried about drowning. I'm worried about one stroke. I'm going to move my left arm in front of my body and I'm going to move one inch forward. Tomorrow, I'm going to move another inch. And because I'm never going to quit, I'm going to win. I'm going to get there. It's not a race versus me versus you, right? It's a race me versus myself. It's my own company. I don't have to be the biggest restaurant chain in the world for Everbowl to be successful. I need Everbowl to stay in business and make more money than it costs. That's success, <laughs> right? So I'm not comparing myself to McDonald's. I'm not comparing myself to Chipotle or, or Starbucks. Whether or not I beat them, if I can get close enough to be in contention, now they're in my sights. 
and now I'm competing with them. Today, day one, I'm not competing with them. I'm one restaurant. I've just opened my doors or I have an idea for a restaurant. I need a business plan. I need to know a menu. You know, I need to know these little things. The rest is irrelevant, right? Don't worry about where everyone else is in their race. Worry about where you are. And if you break it down to that simplistic model, it's not hard. It's just dedication, consistency, and you need to be relentless. You need to understand that you're going to have a lot of bad days. And if those kick your ass and you can't get up from the mat, you're not meant to be a startup entrepreneur. You're not. And that's okay. You got to understand and be self-aware of who you are. You know, I'm, I'm five, nine. I'm not six, seven. If I was six, seven, I'd probably want to be in the NBA. I'm not. So I don't try to be in the NBA. I do my game. I, I am who I am and I'd be the best me I can be. And so, you know, as a startup entrepreneur, why I love it is because, you know, I have uh, this relentless side of me, which might, might make it difficult to be around me in some social settings because I don't quit and I'm, I, I'm persistent beyond persistent. But I found that that works for me to be successful financially in business. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's nothing like I, I wish there was a special answer. You know, everyone, I, I get asked all the time, what's the secret? What's the number one secret to your there's success? No Hard work. Yeah, there's no Hard secret, work. Right? There, there's so many different things that like what works for you might not work for someone else, like you said. But I think that's the point of like, am I cut out to be what I'm trying to be? Can I be the best version of me by going this route? And some people you just can't, and that's fine, like you said. But like you said, you know, the days that do kick your ass are inevitable. It's going to happen. You don't know when they're going to happen. You don't know what scripts are going to happen. But what is your strategy for overcoming that? Because I feel like, especially nowadays, entrepreneurship, like you said, is very much alive and well, but it's also glorified to where that people say it's easy. Right. They look at you on social media. Oh, he's done all these businesses. He's made all this money. It was probably easy. I want to be him. It's like, no, there's, you've been through a lot of shit probably. Right. But people sure. don't understand that. So, you know, the purpose of a lot of this podcast is to talk about that journey. Right. We've talked about the success. We can see the success, but it's the struggles not many people know about. So when you hit these struggles, right, how do you get over them? What's the thing that you tell yourself or you do that just says, okay, I'm going to continue to be Jeff. I'm going to continue to be relentless. Well, uh, the first thing I do, and it's, it's something I've, I've kind of coined into my five minute pity party, but I set a timer on my phone for five minutes and I'd be a victim and I have my own five minute internal personal pity party. Um, too often, I think people either try to not have that moment or they drag that moment on for weeks and months at a time and say, oh, COVID ruined my business and now I'm a victim and it's been seven months since COVID started and, and I'm still in the same place because of COVID, right? Like COVID's a great example. Um, COVID was no one's fault, but we all had to deal with it. You know, re regardless of what it is, I, I give myself five minutes and at the end of that buzzer, when the five minutes are done, I'm done being a victim. I'm done feeling sorry for myself. And now it's a question of what do I do now, right? If I'm thrown off of a boat in the middle of the ocean in my suit at my wedding, yeah, I didn't want that to happen. But what am I going to do? I'm going to swim, right? I'm going to swim back to the boat. I'm going to get on the boat. And then I'm going to realize I'm wet, I'm cold, and my clothes are ruined. But you don't want to focus too much time on your clothes being ruined while you're in the water. You got to get out of the water, right? So the number one job of an entrepreneur or a business owner is to stay in business today. That's your number one job. If that's not on your mind, and you're a smaller company, or even Amazon. Amazon's first job every day is to stay in business today. Now, they obviously have a very long shelf life or runway because they have so much capital and they're so big. So the chances of them going out of business today are almost zero. But 
at the foundation core principle of any business, your number one responsibility as the CEO is to keep the company alive today. Tomorrow's going to happen. We'll get there today, right? So when there's a crisis, when, there's a, when, when I get my ass kicked, my number one job is to stay in business today as a, if we're talking professionally. If it's personal, my number one job is to get better today, is to progress. So I'm going to give myself five minutes. I'm going to give the moment it's due. I'm going to have that pity party. But when that five minutes are done, now I know I've already done. I've already been a victim. I've already felt sorry for myself. I've already cried, moaned, complained, punched the wall, screamed, yelled, do whatever I was going to do for five minutes. Now that that's over, that's over. Now it's, what do we do next? And that's what I immediately put my mind to. So like when COVID happened, and I'll use it as the example, because I'm sure a lot of your audience are struggling with COVID. Right. Um, I'll be honest, COVID, regardless of the, the virus side, professionally, COVID has not been a detriment to Everbull. It hasn't. Are sales where they used to be? No. Did we have to close down 28 restaurants on March 18th and lay off 400 people? Yes. But that's not the end of the story. That's just what happened on March 18th. On March 19th, me and my executives got in a room together and we said, what are we going to do now? Well, we rehired almost everybody starting on May 1st or April 24th. So for one month, we were laid everyone off. And in that month, we created a new product concept called Later Bulls. We spun up our own Shopify website where we started selling direct to consumer our product and launched this entire new channel of revenue, which we're still capturing today. I utilized relationship capital to get us on a QVC where we've sold out three times and have sold almost a half a million dollars worth of product in under 30 minutes of airtime um, from that opportunity. So those all came. We launched franchising, in which we talked about, and are now able to sell franchises. And we've sold almost 30 franchises since March 18th. And we have a financing arm where we finance now three franchisees who didn't have the capital to get started to now take control of their financial freedom and join the Everbull family. All that happened on the side. On April 24th, we rehired people. And on May 1st, we reopened 24 of our 28 corporate stores and are now back in business selling acai bowls and expanding the unevolved lifestyle and growing our business. So now you focus on where we are today at the end of September and businesses, our business is continuing to grow exponentially. We've survived thus far the COVID crisis, but we didn't just survive. We're thriving. We found new opportunities while other people who owned restaurants might still be sitting there going, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Well, because you're trying to do what you did yesterday today. Right. You know, one of my other core values is to be change ready. The only thing that's constant is change. So you always have to be change ready and you have to be ready to rebuild your business every single day. It's why it's hard. It's why to a lot of people, the startup phase is difficult. That doesn't wear me down because again, that's just not, I, I love solving problems. So, okay, what are the problems of the day? Let's solve them. That's it. Like I, I, I don't, I don't get overwhelmed with it. I take it one bite at a time. And you know, am I oversimplifying things? Of course, because I'm experienced at what I do. And, and, you know, I think with experience comes the ability to, to talk confidently and be a little bit over, you know, speak over, make it seem like it's oversimplified, over, make it seem simple. Uh, my intention is not to oversimplify it. I understand that everyone's dealing with real problems and they have their own real problems, but it's the mindset. And if you can back up from the problem and say, okay, I'm going to be change ready. I'm going to get 1% better today. And I'm just going to focus on staying in business today. What can I do today? You know, you have food in your restaurant, you can still use it as a ghost kitchen. You can sell direct to consumer. You know, I heard this thing that Chili's of all places did. They spun up a new uh, rib company and started selling it on DoorDash under a brand new name and used their Chili's kitchens because people didn't want to order Chili's to go through uh, DoorDash. So they came up with some other name and started selling <laughs> their wings through DoorDash as a ghost kitchen. Well, that's brilliant, right? That's a good idea. And if it doesn't work, what did it cost them? Nothing. Nothing. Right. So it's like, it's either you win or you learn, but 
you know, I think we were talking about um, one of your previous guests and said he's never made a bad purchase, right? Because they were all learnings. Um, it's true though, right? Like you've got to, and if this is not like, if you hear what I'm saying and you're like, oh my God, all these problems like that, that's just not me. That's okay. Just understand that probably startup entrepreneurship might not be the right path. Maybe right. you come into a company as a number two, a number three, a number four, a number five, and join someone like me and let me deal with those stresses while you be an expert at your stuff. And I'll lean on you for the things that I'm not good at. Or you say, hey, I resonate with everything Jeff's saying right now, then you should probably go start your own company. And if you feel like you're trapped in your job and you just need that push, hear what I'm saying. You've got what it takes. Go do it. Right. Don't don't sit there on the sideline waiting for this experience. You know, um, experience to me is the most overrated prerequisite to starting a company. And the reason I say that is when I started Everbull, my dad, who's a contrarian, said, Jeff, nine out of 10 restaurants fail. Why are you doing this? Like you, you've made a lot of money. You don't need to go blow all your money on a restaurant. And I'm like, dad, he's like, you don't. my mom even pointed out, Jeff, you don't even know how to cook. And all you do in the kitchen is eat and make a mess. Right. You have no restaurant experience. And I'm like, well, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Nine out of 10 restaurants fail. How many restaurants are started by people with zero experience? Under 5%. So 95% of restaurants are started by people with restaurant experience and 90% of those fail. So how good is that experience? So you're telling me, let me go work and get all this experience so I could fail nine out of 10 times. Or let me come in with zero experience. Even if I have the same failure rate, okay, so I'm still ready to start now but I applied business principles that have proven themselves across all industries, which is make more money than you spend, stay in business today and figure out the rest. I can always adapt my menu. I can always attract talent to come help me in areas that I don't know what I'm doing. I can always get learnings from Google and YouTube and all of these online you know, gurus and coaches and consultants. And there's a million people out there who, like you said, who are willing to coach you and teach you whether they have the experience or not. Um, I do lean on mentors. I always have a mentor. I have multiple mentors. I always have a business coach. I pay someone or a couple people to be my business coach. And I'm a business coach and I charge people and I'm a mentor and I do it for free. Those are free. Those are tools that are also not used by enough people um, that they should be, right? I think everyone out there should have a mentor and a business coach for sure. At least one, if not more. Um, even Tiger Woods has a golf coach. LeBron James has a basketball coach. Tom Hanks has a sing uh, acting coach. You know, you need a coach. They're going to get that out. And a mentor as well. Someone who's there to guide you higher level and keep you accountable to bigger principles, like the bigger ideals of being what you're trying to be in the industry you're trying to be in. Um, and so that's what I do. Yeah. You know, I, I think to sum it all up, I think people just need to get out of their own way. I feel like that's the biggest thing. You know, that's something I didn't quite understand starting out because I'm like, what does that even mean? But they said uh, it comes down to mindset. You're telling yourself this isn't possible. You're telling yourself, I came from nothing. I'm going to stay in nothing. My kids are going to come from nothing, you know, stuff like that. But you can flip the script really, really quickly if you change your mindset, you change your thinking. And like you said, there's a lot of different strategies you use, like the five-minute principle. That might not work for everyone, right? But it's understanding what does work for me. How am I going to be my best me and get out of my own way? But Jeff, I'm going to go ahead and conclude here because we talked about a lot. And, you know, we could honestly slap this up on an inspirational YouTube channel and, you know, <laughs> but before we conclude, if I'm a startup entrepreneur or I'm an entrepreneur that wants to create a startup, right? Where do I start? I mean, like literally, like where do you start? Literally. 
start where you are right now in this moment. You make the decision. You com- you com- clearly in your mind decide what you want to do. The day I wanted to start Everbowl, I was in a jacuzzi with some friends and and my wife, and we were talking. And somebody asked me, Jeff, what are you going to do now? Because you know I'd been been retired, not retired. I'd been out of uh, not working for a few months, uh, driving my wife and kids crazy. And I said, I'm going to start a restaurant. And they looked at me like I was crazy. But in that moment, in that jacuzzi, when asked the question, I made the decision, I'm starting this restaurant. And if you can't make the decision or you're torn between two things, flip a coin um, and decide which one's on heads and which one's on tails. And when the coin is in the air, whichever side you're pulling for, that's the side you should go with. Forget what the coin lands on. Um, and, And then decide. And once you've made that decision and you put it out into the world, everything you do from that moment forward is towards that goal. And that's how you start. You just physically start. You take the very first step. It's the hardest step. It's the mm-hmm. scariest step, but that's the step. And once you take it, you're now ready to go. Everything else is going to start to fall in place. I'll, 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 I'll give you a little anecdote. I didn't have a restaurant name. I didn't have the menu dialed in. I didn't have a location. I had nothing. I was in a jacuzzi in the summer. And then on July 22nd, I went to get a smoothie in Poway, California at a Smoothie King. And I walked in and the owner was literally pulling things off and putting it in his car. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm retiring at the end of the week. I tried to sell the business. It was too expensive and no one bought it. So I'm just retiring. My lease is up. I said, can I have the landlord's name and number? Gave it to me. I signed the lease on August 2nd without a name, without a menu. But I knew that if a Smoothie King was successful in that location for 20 years, whatever my concept health-wise was going to be, acai bowls and others, was going to work out because um, health and wellness had already worked there. That was it. That I wouldn't have even asked that question if I hadn't made the decision to start that restaurant. I made the decision about three weeks earlier and just magically an opportunity presented itself. And I was aware of that opportunity because that was in the direction I was going. And that's what you got to do. You got to just literally start. I love it, man. I love it. I posted something today uh, this morning about don't start after kids are born. Don't start after college. Don't start after this. Just start. Right. Just start. Don't know which step you're going to take, but that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. You never really know what's ahead of you. But Jeff, I appreciate your time. And we talked about a lot. Where can my audience find you on social media? Uh, At Fenster Jeff on Instagram or Jeff Fenster on Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, Please reach out. I love talking entrepreneurship. I have a free course on LinkedIn learning. If you're a LinkedIn member, you can go check it out on Relationship Capital. Um, Hit me up and you can also reach me via email, connect at jefffenster.com. Awesome. Yeah, guys, reach out to Jeff. Let him know what you thought about the episode. And Jeff, appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. Is there anything I can do for you? I think we're good, man. I uh, will probably ask you some questions when we stop recording, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to give away too much to the audience. (laughs) I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Entrepreneurism Podcast. We post episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 a.m. Central Time. We would greatly appreciate if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. I'm Brady Morgan, your host. We'll see you next time.